you, you about to get rocked. I'm trying to prophesy some truth to you. You're about to get rocked. Would you put your hands together for our guest speaker from Utica, New York, Pastor Mike and Barb Savella. Come on, let's bless him in Jesus' name. I love it. Come on. Get on. Hey, you guys are incredible. I'm overwhelmed. You, get, you know, you get over 60, you start to cry. I don't want to cry, but I, I'm just overwhelmed. You guys are awesome. Every, you know, it's our second time here, and I told the, the leaders yesterday and I, the service last night, this morning, we get way more blessed. I mean, I, I hope that we can leave something with you, but you guys are, you guys are incredible. This is, this is an incredible church. I travel all around the world, and I've, I'm in a lot of churches. And I want to tell you, believe me from my heart, this is one of the best churches, uh, I believe, that, I've, that I have visited in the world. You have something going on here that I want to encourage you. You know, I'm not a flatterer. I'm just telling you the truth. You have something absolutely incredible that if I lived anywhere within an hour of this church, this would be my church family because, you know, Paul wrote to the Philippians and uh, I was thinking about preaching on that to you guys. They're one of his favorite churches and he said this to them, for God is working in you. God is, and I thought about that. It kept coming to me. This is like a prophetic word. God is working in you. And I thought, what's the difference, you know, when you make a statement, for God is working in you, what he's saying is it's not a work of man. There is no hype. There is no baloney. There's nothing exaggerated. It is a work of almighty God. That there's an impetus behind you, and it is the work of the Holy Spirit. Come on. We celebrate the work of God in heart of the city church. Come on, say amen. Wow. We, we love you, bless you, thank you so much. I'm humbled by uh, you guys doing that. You, you've always overwhelmingly blessed us. We love Pastor J.O. and Ray Dean and your leadership team. You guys are, you guys are great. All right, let me, let me dig into the word here and get as far as I can with it. The title of the message today is Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Subtitle is Nothing Ordinary About It. And, and, and here's what I'm talking about. The church of Jesus Christ is extraordinary. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You as believers are extraordinary. Your life of faith should be extraordinary. Our families should be extraordinary. There is nothing ordinary about it. There's pressure today, though. There's pressure from culture. There's pressure from voices. There's pressure from the world to reduce us to ordinary or subordinary, hmm. to say that you're, you're no different, that you're the same, that uh, you, you need to conform, uh. and the church needs to be this way. No, the church is extraordinary. That's right. Anything That's right. God does and touches is extraordinary. Yes, let, me, let me define ordinary for you. Look at Ordinary from the dictionary means this. And here's what the world says. Here's what culture wants to say. And I hear it all the time. I read about it, the church. The church is nothing special. No, go back, go back, go back. Nothing special. There's nothing distinctive about the church. You see it every day. Church is a church is a church. It's something you see every day, everywhere. It's the usual run of the mill. Why go to church? Par for the course, unexceptional, unremarkable, boring. 
I'll tell you what, I've been a Christian. This December, I'll be saved 40 years. I've been anything but bored in my walk with God. I have not been bored at all. I have not been bored one minute I've been here. I'm not bored being, I'll tell you, get around Pastor J.O., you will not be bored. I guarantee that. Unremarkable? Oh, no, no. I think very remarkable. I think exceptional. What really bothers me is how ordinary is defined by culture and church experts. And what they're saying is there's no difference in the church from the world. There's no difference in the marriages. There's no difference in the morality. There's no difference in their serving or their, their, their uh, 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 giving. They don't want to serve. They don't want to give. They don't want to show up. And I think, where are you at? Where are you at? Go to the next one there. Paul said this to Timothy. And I think he would say it to us if the Apostle Paul was here today. He said, my dear Timothy, guard the treasure you were given. Listen, folks. God has given you a treasure. That's right. You have a treasure in the gospel. Mm-hmm. You have a treasure in this church. Yes. Come on. Amen. We together are the church of Jesus Christ. We're the bride of Christ. This is a treasure in this community. Guard the treasure you were given. Guard it with your life. And here's what he says. Avoid the talk show religion. Wow. Talk show religion and the practice confusion of so-called experts. Some people that get caught in that, that kind of talk, lose the whole point of faith. See, it's all naturally minded. It's all ordinary. There is no extraordinary because there's no faith. My faith rises up to believe for everything God says I can have. Can you say amen? Amen. Someone said this, why fit in when you were born again to stand out? See, people can look at us and say, we're not impressed. I'm not impressed. You're nothing special. No, in your eyes, I'm nothing special, but in God's eyes, I am. That's right. And maybe there's nothing exceptional in my gifts or, you know, my outward, but I want to tell you, because God is with me, that's what makes me exceptional. This is what the Bible is all about. God using ordinary, average people that you would often overlook. People like you and me. Look it. Go to the next verse. Now, the leaders were surprised and confused. These are the Jewish religious leaders. They were looking at Peter and John, the two apostles. They're going to be sitting around Jesus in heaven. Look at what they said about them. They were typical peasants, uneducated, utterly ordinary people. But they had an extraordinary confidence because they had been with Jesus. Typical peasant, typical Coeur d'Alene people, <laughs> typical uneducated, typical, I senior, nothing remarkable, ordinary. Oh, yeah, that's what you may think. But you haven't seen what God's done in my life. Jim Elliott, the missionary to Ecuador who was martyred, said this. He said, Forgive me for being so ordinary while I claim to know. So extraordinary of a God. How many want to live an extraordinary life? God's called you to be extraordinary. Look, here's here's what Paul said. Here's what I want you to do. Romans 12. Here's what I want you to do with God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. Let's do that. Let's submit our everyday Coeur d'Alene life. Our, Our sleeping, eating, going to work, 
going to school, walking around life, and let's every day place it before God as an offering. Let's not become so well-adjusted to our culture or even our community or even the influences around us so that we'll fit in without thinking. Instead, let's fix our attention on God and let him change us from the inside out. Let's be who God says we can be. Let's do what God says we can do. Come on, say amen. amen. Point number one. Let's take our eyes off everything else and let's fix our attention on our extraordinary God. How many know God's extraordinary? Everything God does, everything God touches, everything God's involved with is extraordinary. Look, next one. Oh God, your deeds are what? Say it. Shout it out. What he does is extraordinary. What God can compare to our God? You're the God who does amazing things. Come on, he's amazing. Is God amazing? He's amazing. Our God is amazing. He's extraordinary in his glory, his majesty, his presence. His presence is holy. His presence is overwhelming. Psalm 145 says this, God is magnificent. He could never be praised enough. There are no boundaries to his greatness. None of us could know how great he is. Today, uh, leaders talk more and more how to, how to package a service, how to create a service where people don't get bored. Get them in, get them out, because people don't want to be in church. People don't want to come. They start with a premise, people don't want to come, then they continue on with the premise, they don't want to stay. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. There's some churches I wouldn't want to go to either. There's some guys I would not want to listen to either. I want to tell you, I hate to burst anybody's balloon, but people do not come to church to hear human beings. People are coming to church to meet with Almighty God. And the more of the presence of God there is, the more of the magnetism there is of the masses. See, people are drawn to Jesus. If I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto myself. Here's what I learned. Less of God, you can't keep them. The heart is to keep people. The more of the presence of God there is in church, see, the more God shows up, the more people don't want to leave. I watch people, you, have, you can't get them out of church. You got, to, you got to go now. Hey, would you people leave? More people got to come in. I've been in places where there's revival. I'm telling you, they're lined up waiting for the doors to open. And then once they get in, they don't want to leave. They got to say, get out now, because there's more people got to come in. Come on, when God's there, you can't get them out. Come on, say amen. His presence, why it's magnetic. He's extraordinary in his miracles, his signs and wonders. God God shows us he's extraordinary in his miracles of provision. He fed two million people for 40 years in a desert. Think about it. His miracles over nature, extraordinary. I told the church this morning, he tells Moses, cross the Red Sea, take your stick and hit it. And the Red Sea opens, and they crossed on dry land. Yes, that's right. That's right. that amazing? Yeah. Not wet soil. How do you open up? How do you open up a sea and cause the land to be dry? I don't have time to even talk about that. Yeah. It's amazing. But think about this. You think that's? Oh, I forgot to tell you. There was a study done. It was in USA Today that they said that the the difference between born again Christians and traditional uh, Protestants Mm -hmm. is that born-again Christians have smaller brains. (laughs) That's your problem. I figured out the problem with us. 
So, you know, they, they just finally, they're insulting us scientifically that the reason why you believe all this stuff is because you have a smaller brain. And so it's been proven. So born-again people, either their brain shrinks when they get born again or because they have smaller brains, they're attracted to it. And so we believe all this supernatural stuff. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I believe that God opens a Red Sea. I believe they walked across on dry land. But I'll tell you what's astounding, Lord over nature, is when the Son of God comes to earth. His disciples are out at sea at night, and Peter looks out and he can't believe his eyes. Here comes Jesus walking on the water. Come on. Do you believe that? Yes, I do, because my brain is that small. I absolutely believe it. And he invited Peter to walk on the water with him. Come on, he's extraordinary. Say extraordinary. Oh my goodness, I believe in the miracles of God. He's, 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 his miracles over sickness and demons and death, again and again and again, you'll see. Look at what the Bible says. Uh, they were awestruck and totally amazed. It's talking about when Jesus performed healings. Put yourself back in that time. And imagine you walk, you walk up, you're, you're, you're beside Jesus. And you see a man that was lame from birth laid on a mat, on a pallet. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, rise up and be healed. And you watch. No, no therapy. No, like, in between somebody helping him up. Because, you know, I want you to think about legs that have never supported a person. Their whole life atrophied. Oh, my goodness. Do you understand a miracle? Do you understand the miracle of the man at the gate, beautiful? He got up walking and leaping and praising God. You ever see somebody has been in a wheelchair for years, how their legs get atrophied? But you know when a miracle power of God, what would you do? Would you say, well, I guess. I'd be awestruck. I read some of these modernists and they say, well, you know, many, most of those healings were psychosomatic. People only thought. Really? Just like Lazarus thought he was dead. See, he, he, I mean, he was really, the guy really had a problem. He really thought he was dead. Can you imagine? He thought he was dead. For four days, he was dead. You know, yeah. Miracles. Say miracles. Miracles. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. And you know what? He's still doing miracles today. It says this, he did extraordinary, go ahead. He did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh, my Lord, he's doing extraordinary miracles through us. I heard Radine give that testimony about that lady with cancer. Are you here? That's incredible. God bless you. Come on. Come on. The same God, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is there anything boring about Heart of the City Church. Is there anything boring or unremarkable where Jesus is? I want to tell you, it is absolutely astounding. Our God is incredible. Come on, say amen. Amen. But here's the most amazing thing about God, his extraordinary love for people. For you and I, extraordinary. The Bible says in 1 John, behold, what manner of love is this that we would be called the sons of God? Behold means calls all the attention of heaven and earth. Behold, stop a minute, pause, think about this. What kind of love is this that you and I could be called God's children? The word love there, what kind of love? It's the Greek word agape. We get our, at the middle of that is our English word to gape. Your mouth drops. It's astounding. 
that God would love us so much. The second extraordinary thing we have is you and I as the church have been called to proclaim an extraordinary message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which, which conveys the love of God, the astounding, incredible love of God. And can I tell you something? The gospel doesn't need any help. I see people today wanting to help. Want to repackage the gospel, redefine it, and tell you what happens, what does. Don't even worry about it. Let the gospel take care of itself. Right. See, Paul said this to the Romans. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because in this gospel, there is power to salvation. There is something powerful if you just go with the raw, extraordinary gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, say amen. amen. Spurgeon said this. The gospel is like a caged lion. It does not need to be defended. It simply needs to be let out of its cage. And I think if we would just release the gospel to people in our communities, it would be amazing the results that would take place. You see, the gospel is designed to have an extraordinary impact. It's extraordinary. The impact is extraordinary. Paul said this in 1 Thessalonians. Watch very carefully. When the message we preached... When the message we preach came to you, it wasn't just words. Something happened in you. He said again to the Corinthians, for our word, we, we, what we preach came to you in power. It wasn't just words, it came in power. It was extraordinary. What kind of power was released in the proclamation of the gospel that in these pagan cultures, People got born again, got transformed. People gave their lives. You know, we talk today about people not showing up for church. They got born again. They're ready to die. Yeah. That's right. Come on, talk to me. Yeah. We better wake up in 21st century America. The power of the gospel. Something happened. The gospel is a proclamation of what's been done for you. It's an announcement. Someone said this. We are changed not by being told what we need to do for God, but by hearing the news about what God has done for us. Amen. See, the gospel, the good news is an announcement, it's a proclamation of not of what we need to do, but what has been already done, what Jesus Christ has done. And so the gospel focuses us upon him, our savior, our hope, our only hope, the answer, come on, for broken humanity, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we understand that there's power released. Yes. Romans says this, out of sheer generosity or sheer grace, he put us in right standing with himself. It was all his grace. A pure gift. I like this. He got us out of the mess we were in and restored us. You in a mess today? How many were in a mess? He got us where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 says this, for it is by God's grace that you and I have been saved. God's grace. You receive it through faith. You just believe. You believe the announcement. See, the announcement goes out, the proclamation goes out, and we have a choice. You must respond, yes or no. I believe or don't believe. We receive it by faith. It was not our plan or our effort. It is God's gift, pure and simple. We didn't earn it. Not a one of us did, so we don't go around bragging. We must have done something amazing. For we are the product of his hand, heaven's poetry etched on lives. When the gospel is proclaimed and people believe it, 
Something powerful begins to happen. The gospel transforms and writes a new story for every life. Look at 2 Corinthians. What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore. For the old life is gone and a new life has begun. The word new in the Greek language that's used here means this. Go to the next slide. It means something never seen before. God says, you ain't, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> you walking around before you know Jesus, and you're labeled, you're defined, you're boxed in. You have no, maybe you, you, you see life a certain way, you feel like you're caught, you're bound, this is how it's going to be. Your life is on a certain track. But then all of a sudden, you come to Christ, you hear the gospel, and God says, that's not who you are. You're my child. And now I'm going to put in you a new nature. I'm going to put in you a new heart. I'm going to put in you a new mind. Something brand new. Nobody's ever seen who you are. You should have seen me before I was saved. I, I, I remember they, they wanted me to be president of some club, key club in school. I was too afraid. I couldn't get up in front of people and speak. My knees would not. Let alone the kind of sinful life I was living. I get born again and God says, I want you to become a pastor. You don't want me to be a pastor. No, you're going to be a pastor. I was a failure in everything I did. And God says, I'm going to make you a success. I'm going to make you a success as a husband. I'm going to make you a success as a father. I'm going to make you a success in business. And then I'm going to put you in the ministry, and you're going to know success because it's me and not you. I want to introduce you. When I got born again, when I got born again, my wife had to learn to live with a brand new person. I was not the same. Something new had begun. Come on, say amen. Amen. You know, today we struggle, especially with the whole, I watched this whole homosexual debate about reparative therapy. And, you know, they, they talk to people that struggle with homosexuality, and they try to counsel them out of it. Listen, you can't counsel anybody out of their sin. You can't counsel an adulterer out of his sin. They got to be born again. You got to get a new heart. You can't repair what's broken. We've got to be totally regenerated. Come on, but once you're regenerated, God says, let me introduce you now to my son. Let me introduce you now to my daughter. This was once a child of hell is now a child of God. This was now living in darkness has been translated instantly into the kingdom of my own dear son. I've seen so many miracles in my life. I've watched people. Today, you know, they say with kids today, you know, the youth culture, it's so they're immoral. They're, they're in every kind of sexual perversion. They're rebellious. They're into all this weird stuff. Oh, yeah, totally different. I can't relate. Not like we were in the 70s. <laughs> I watched. I watched homosexuals get radically transformed, born again, and become pastors, and never turn back. I watched women come in, lesbian lovers come into church, hear the gospel, separate, begin to serve God, single, get married, have children. Today, their children, I, I, I pastored them, I married them, pastor their children, their children never know what their parents were. I've seen the miracle of God. I've seen God introduce people. You've never seen anything like this in your life. 
I've seen people that were absolutely hopeless, helpless. You'd write them off and say, there's no hope. One of my best friends, I gotta be careful, I don't wanna reveal, but one of my best friends, we, we hated each other, we grew up together in school, hated each other, he's a homosexual. Not, I didn't hate him because of that, but he just, we just never, we were never in the same realms and he was living one way, I was living another. But he had such a tough life. And you know, when you're a kid, you're cruel. And so we treated him cruel because we were cruel. He was pushed through school. He couldn't read. He graduated not being able to read. He got saved a year before me with my wife. He started to pray for me. When I got born again, it's an amazing thing when you get born again, how your desires change. We became best friends. And I remember thinking, this guy can't even read. He's an adult now. He can't read. And you know what he got up? And he said in church, we're a little church of 40 people. He said, Jesus, he said, if you could put people would pray for me, I have one desire. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to teach me how to read because I want to read God's word. And I'll tell you what, he began to learn. He would get up in church and give a testimony and he would stumble through a reading of the scripture. But God began to put a prophetic anointing upon him. He began to preach and he'd stumble over his words. We'd always laugh because he'd mix his words up. But when he began to prophesy, be laser accurate. Today he's going around the world prophesying for God. You don't know who somebody's going to be. The gospel is transformative. Listen, one more. Let me tell you one more story. I got to end. We had a guy come to church for two years. This guy was a big, big brute, pierced up, tattooed up, uh, drug addict, angry. I don't know why he came to church. (laughs) because <laughs> he didn't want, I mean, he's like, Arr. but after two years, took two years, power God hit him, man. He got born again. He got born again, two years, but we loved him. We just loved him, but he was angry, wouldn't smile. I didn't realize how violent he was. He got born again. He asked for a key to the church. For what? He goes, I want to come in and pray. Okay, let him come in and pray. He says, I want to start Pastor, the Lord's put a burden on my heart. I want to start reaching out to other guys that were like me. Sure, go ahead. He goes to the mental institution. One of his friends named John was detoxing, and he, he was like in between, you know, this life and another life, totally coked out. And he goes and he says, John, I found Jesus Christ. And John's like, <laughs> when He doesn't hear a word he says. But when John finally goes to his detox, he remembers that Tom came to see him, and he called me to Tom. You came to see me. What's up, man? He goes, I got to talk to you. He goes, I found Jesus Christ. And he goes, I got to tell you about it. And he starts to pray with him. John, a hopeless drug addict, gives his life to Christ. John gets born again. I got Tom and John. John says, I got to tell my dad. Him and his dad hadn't talked in 20 or 25 years. His dad was a security guard on the ward where he was in a mental institution, but they hadn't talked in 25 years because of the sin. He calls his dad. He says, Dad, I found Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to forgive me. I've got a new life. His father says, I can't believe this. Comes down and sees him. His dad gets born again. We do a membership class, and here comes Tom, John, and his dad, and they're all still members of the church. Come on, say amen. Look, I had a, a, a woman one day answer an altar call. And uh, I said, hey, well, you know, we brought you to church. She got born again. She goes, him. She points at Tom. I go, oh, you know Tom? Did he witness to you? She goes, no. She goes, I know him. 
I go, how do you know him? She goes, I'm his, I'm his counselor. I'm his, uh, she, she would, she, what was it? Social worker. She'd have to call on him. She goes, I feared for my life. She goes, every time I'd knock on his door, I was afraid either he was going to kill me or kill somebody else. She goes, I heard what happened to him, and I had to come and see with my own eyes. I cannot believe it. She goes, whatever he's got, I want. She accepted the Lord. Uh, can, I, can I keep going? Yeah. Listen, he's, he, the, there's a college professor at a prestigious Ivy League college in the Utica area. His son is a hopeless uh, drug addict. No, he's taken him everywhere. Every psychologist, psychiatrist, they put him into all kinds of therapies. Nothing helped. But here comes this uneducated, Tom doesn't even have a high school diploma. You understand? I got people with PhDs. I got trained New York State counselors that can't get through to these people. There's something about a touch of God that's extraordinary. Come on, talk to me. It's extraordinary. Tom says, I'm going to go after his name's Chris. I'm going to tell Chris. I'm going to preach the gospel to Chris. He preached the gospel to Chris. Chris gets born again. Chris starts getting on fire for God, filled with the Holy Spirit. His dad comes to church. I cannot believe my eyes. We tried everything to find this kid help. And he finds help through an uneducated kid who hasn't graduated high school. But you know why? Because you haven't met him yet. That's right. You don't understand who this guy is. Here's my point. There's nothing ordinary about God. There's nothing ordinary about the church. There's nothing ordinary about your Christian walk. You are who God says you are. You can do what God says you can do. And you and I can have what God says we can have. Lord, forgive us for being so ordinary while claiming to know so extraordinary a God. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. Come on. Just lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for that extraordinary anointing. The anointing of the extraordinary. That, Father, right now, listen, we, we, we tear down strongholds and mindsets. That says, I'm not able. Lord, you know that I don't have the ability. I, 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 who, who am I? How could I go? What, what would I? We, I pull that down. You're brand new. You're anointed of God. You can do what God says you can do. Father, I pray you start a revival in this community. Lord, in these schools and workplaces, on the streets, that, Lord, you would loose the extraordinary body of Christ would be loosed on the streets of Coeur d'Alene and the surrounding area and even in the nations of the world. Touch and bless your people, Lord. Father, touch us. Touch us. We thank you. We bless you. We reach for you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody said.